Business is simple. It's just not easy. We focus on three things to help you run and grow your business more easily. Talent, sales, and how to scale. This is the Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. Everyone, Brian Whittington with this episode of the Talent, Sales, and Scale Scale Show. Geez, can't even speak today. And that's because I'm so excited. I got Jordan Crawford on. Not only does he have an easy name to pronounce, thank heavens, because I can't even say the name of our podcast, but he's a wallflower. So, you know, I'll have to draw it out of him a little bit, but this should be a great show. We're going to talk about, um, so by the way, Jordan has a, uh, he's a co-founder of a place called Blueprint. We're going to talk about outbound systems, creating outbound systems today. So we has some really cool tactics that I've not heard of before, so I'm geeked to find out myself. So with that said, welcome to the show, Jordan. Hi, thanks for coming. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what if I did this whole thing in ASMR? You know, it's like it didn't even, we weren't even talking, just like people would listen to go to sleep to this thing, like, hey, thanks for, you know, all the nails on the chalkboard and stuff, so <laughs> I'm so passing a, a golf event, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, how, how, how silly would I make you look, though, if I just did this whole thing in just like whisper mode, like, wow, I guess he is a wallflower. <laughs> yeah, that probably wouldn't make it to the podcast, but you're here anyway with your cool hat. I'm so grateful. Yeah. So, and, and it was funny because Jordan, he's on the left coast here and, uh, you know, decides to try to sh- shoot this at six o'clock in the morning, his time. So it's now 6 p.m. my time. So uh, seven o'clock my time. So whatever. We're having fun. Yeah. And diving into this. So I guess we'll dive right into this, Jordan, like we do. And and I'm going to ask you a real tough question. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've made a couple of videos. I've seen you on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a co-founder, been doing um, some business ventures for nine years in one place and all these other things. Mm -hmm. So why in the world should we listen to you, Jordan, about systemizing our outbound? Because you say it's broken anyway. Yeah. Uh, So I worked at zinc.com. I was their first hire YC winter 14 company, uh, in 2016, moved them from one to hundred million in GMV in two years. Um, and since that time, I've done a bunch of, uh, B2B growth stuff for companies like Lucidworks and purse. And, um, and, uh, now I'm building these sort of go-to-market systems by pain, um, mostly for the outbound channel, uh, with companies like vouch ironclad main street and main street closed a million dollars in deals in less than three months of my system going live without ever manually, uh, typing a single email. And so, uh, that's like probably a pretty, pretty good that's reason. A good to attention to grabber, right? Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Well, so let's, let's talk through this then. Um, now you said, I'll start at a high level. You said that the outbound system for most organizations is broken. What makes you say that? I, I wholly agree with you, but what makes you say it's broken? How is it broken? Yeah. So if you think about a lot of the ways that sales reps do outbound today, it's the idea is the like kind of standard idea is more personalization, that that's what we need. We need to talk about um, uh, that Jordan likes cantaloupes. That's like, that should be our opener. You know, it's like Jordan said on a, and now there are tools that are going to scrape this podcast for sure. I'm going to get an email about how much I like cantaloupes for sure, because some AI is going to, uh, pull this transcript and, uh, and then start the email that way. Um, uh, but I think that the problem is that we need to find where the signal is from the noise. Um, and, Sales reps have a hard challenge 
which is the organization has done all it can to set them up for failure. And then it turns the treadmill onto 10 and it gives them about a five minute warm up before it puts them on the treadmill. And what happens is, uh, you know, after month one, they're like, why are you falling on your face? Um, and so, and this is why tools like Gong are so successful because uh, really it's what the sales reps already know is that they are not prepared to have conversations with your market. Um, uh, they don't know who your customers are. They don't know why they bought, um, you know, this idea of a challenger sale, good luck finding an SDR that can do that. And once they can, they get promoted to AEs, right? And so it's this, it's just Which, like, it's by an the awful... way, that's where they forget how to do the challenger sale once they get promoted to the AEs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a different story. Like you, you do the work for me. I've already been there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think that the problem is that, you know, people are throwing bodies at this problem and we just need better ideas. Um, and, and I think that, so, so this is one of the reasons why I'm building software to, uh, to, to solve this problem. And the way that I think about this is how do you identify who needs you the most? Um, and company data has now become cheap enough. It's just starting to happen where you can score your TAM by pain, where you can start to define heuristics about which companies you should go after and why. And to give you, and you know, the, the way that a lot of people talk about this is the raised money. Like the best version of this that most people think about is like, hey, I saw you raise money. I like money. Can I have your money? Um, that's like what a lot of this looks like. Um, and sales reps are trying things like, uh, you know, I saw you're into the Dodgers and I like the Dodgers. And, and so I, I just think what we need instead is why is this, why does this company need you now? What is it about their current circumstance, um, that, uh, that makes them need you now? And how do you find that at scale? Um, and the effort of finding it at scale also tells you what to say. So, um, like, for example, in my product, we're scraping job descriptions. So we have a huge list, uh, almost a million jobs in our database of um, companies that are hiring for a variety of different roles. And let's talk specifically about how one might first find pain in a job description. Well, uh, you know, before uh, this kicked off, we were talking about Gong, you know, the sales intelligence tool that you can have that joins your meetings and tells you how you shouldn't be talking as much as I'm talking. Um, so Gong would, would smack me on this score. Um, so what Gong really cares about when it's like, who is Gong's ICP? Well, their real ICP uh, is who has a long, complex, difficult sales cycle where a lot is riding on the line, Right. And you can imagine the places in which you need training the most are when you're scaling out your sales team, right? So we know that from hires, right? So we know how many sales reps they're hiring, but there's a lot more intelligence that exists inside the job description that you can systemize and then speak to. And so, for example, um, a category that you might consider is like who's selling into serious accounts, Right? If you know they're selling into the Fortune 100 or Fortune 500, that sales cycle is not two months. That sales cycle is two years. And so you can't have uh, one of your sales reps say, oh, sure, of course we'll have that. 
um, that's a serious problem um, if you're selling into a super large organization. So you can structure that into serious accounts, words like enterprise, Fortune 100, uh, Fortune 500, um, maybe like they talk about the deal uh, volume, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, right? Um, selling to serious people. So you look for words like CXO, C-suite, VP, right? In the job description. So now you kind of know serious accounts, serious people. Um, do they have a global sales organization? So do they have a folks in EMEA, APAC? Um, are they talking about different languages, right? Um, uh, so, you know, that can indicate something that they have uh, uh, sort of a variety of different needs in, a different, uh, in different areas of the globe, right? You could look at things like um, languages. So do they talk about proficiency in other languages, right? Suddenly, now you're starting to get this really rich, structured picture of a sales organization. And all you have to do is categorize that. And then you can message against those uh, pain categories. So an outbound email from Gong in this system might say, hey, Jordan, I took a look at your uh, 78 sales roles that you've hired in the last three months. Um, and it seems like you have a very complex sales cycle that you're selling into the C-suite, you're selling to Fortune 500 companies, uh, that you're hiring folks in a variety of different markets, um, and that your average deals are over 100K. What is the cost of one of your sales reps saying something wrong to the Fortune 100? And leave it at that. Uh, and there's your email. It's programmatic, it's structured, uh, it can be done at scale, and it's not about the cantaloupe. It's not about the sports team that you went to. You don't have to pay people. It's not because you raised a bunch of money. It's actually structured information about problems that your business is probably facing. So that's rather quite brilliant. Now, a couple of questions off of that. I wanted to just let you riff because you were on a roll there. So a couple of questions off of that. Yeah. Um, are you... So... I don't want to make this a sales pitch for your for your uh, for your blueprint. However, no, no, no. This is really rather quite interesting. Does your yeah. blueprint actually do that? I mean, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, yeah, this is what we're doing. We're scraping jobs. We will basically help you. I don't want to be a sales pitch either. Um, we'll help you um, structure all of that noise. So we basically give you an entire dump of all of the job descriptions in one file that match your ICP, so you can figure out. How many times is Fortune 100 mentioned? What types of keywords? So you can start to understand how these companies talk about your problem. Like we were working with the company that said, we do um, contact scoring. And in our 800,000 jobs, not one company talked, to, talked about contact scoring. People talked about lead scoring a lot, right? So you can imagine if you go to someone and say, we do contact scoring, like, what the hell is that? Um, so you want to talk about lead scoring. And when they talk about lead scoring, there's a lot of really rich information around lead scoring. They talk about building a model. They might talk about the tools they're using. So if they say, use Marketo to build lead scoring, suddenly now you understand, oh, I can actually message against Marketo. I saw that you're making a lead scoring model and that using Marketo. Did you know Marketo's lead scoring model was built in 1352? Uh, it's, it's older than Columbus and it doesn't do A, B, C, or D. So suddenly you actually can message against that because you have some intelligence about what they're, I, I shouldn't, actually, I don't really know anything about Marketo's lead scoring. I just, it's like, I shouldn't like cast dispersions on a very fine product. Like I, uh, but I'm just saying that that might be a thing that you would do. So, okay. So got it. Now that's interesting. Now, if, so if you don't want to 
tack on technology to it, it still applies. You're just going to have to do this manually. You're going to have to go through all of these uh, different job descriptions, or my guess is in addition to job descriptions, you could probably leverage some other pieces because I, oh, I was yeah. originally thinking, Jordan, this, this was going to be like trigger events, but this is more yeah. rich than trigger events. This is market intelligence to get that person to go, yes, that's right. And show that you understand, because that's the biggest differentiator. It's not that personalization. It's that you understand them. That's how you build trust, is my sense. Yeah. Um, well, the personalization is a siren song, right? Like, um, because people talk about, like, like increasing personalization. And I don't know what that means. Like, like, does that, does that, like, does that mean you should send an email like a hundred percent about all the clothes that I wore in the last month on my YouTube videos? Like very personal, but like, it has not, nothing to do with what I do. Like, and so like, can you get a reply that way? Yeah. Like, how does it scale? Like, well, maybe with AI, there's tools like lion.ai and smart writer that will, that will like add a sentence there. Um, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel, that doesn't feel right to me because, and whenever I see that now, because I know these tactics, I'm like, what did you like about it? Hey, Jordan, I liked your YouTube video on blah, blah, blah. What did you like about it? Now they got to go. And then I'm going to ask them. The first thing I'm going to ask them is like, did you do that? Like, and whereas like, I lean into the fact that it's a computer, like in my, in my copy, it's like, Hey, like we looked at 150,000 jobs and your company was like the best of those things, like for this reason. So, um, uh, but yeah, it's not just job descriptions just are one place that you can look. There's a thousand other ways that you can operationalize amazing data. Like one of the plays that we were looking into, it was a little bit too expensive to do, but, uh, Look at all of your existing happy customers, then go find everyone with your ideal title and figure out if any of them used to work at one of your case studies. Hmm. So, so what that looks like is, hey, Brian, I know that previously, um, uh, you know, you worked at HubSpot. Uh, we work with blah, blah, blah over there, super small world. Um, I know that you're now here, but did you happen to interact with blah and blah who used our software and they said these great things? So you can do that kind of stuff at scale. And there's like a thousand of those types of plays that you can do with uh, data. That's not just jobs intelligence. Like I'm just one piece of this, uh, of, a, of a small puzzle. Now with what you're doing, can it help you to hone in on your ICP or do you have to have your ICP already locked and loaded? Well, this is the thing that I think that the current system of how we train and hire reps is silly um, because no one ever says, here's what the market is. And I've had conversations with, like I had conversations with this company that uh, they said, oh, well go sell this in this way. Um, and I said, uh, okay, but they already have a competing tool that does what you're talking about. And, and they're like, no, just give them this math calculator that will show how many more leads they'll get. And so they didn't understand the current state of the market. Um, and so, and I think this is a general problem is like, what, what should happen on day one, a sales rep should get to like, sit down with the customer success team, like hear from customers. They should be like forced to read all the case studies, maybe listen to like customer success gong calls. Um, you can use a service like winter.co to like test your messaging in your market. Um, but, you know, instead it's like, here are our white papers, go sell our white papers. Uh, and so I, I think that 
yes, you can use this to start to understand how, um, like how the companies that you target speak. And that's, that's important because just knowing their language is so helpful. And you can do this on LinkedIn too. Just on LinkedIn, you can search for people that talk about the types of things that you talk about, right? So if like lead scoring is your thing, search for lead scoring in uh, the keyword post. Look at folks with a lot of followers and just click follow, 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 follow. And boom, suddenly your LinkedIn feed is all of your ICP that talks about the problems. And you can start to be socialized you know, in the background. To, to know uh, the language that people use, which I think is a good chunk of the problem, honestly. Yeah, that's, uh, you're, you're, you're hitting in a, in a bunch of different ways here that I wasn't expecting, but this is really rather quite good for the simple fact, we talk about business acumen. If you want that challenger type sales, or if you want, the, the new salesperson is no longer that clad handing, hey, how are you doing today, right? The, the super happy that are on drugs or need drugs, one of the two, it, it, right? They, they have to be those problem solvers to be able to identify the root cause and uncover it. So basically what it seems like you're doing is you're, you're saying, hey, listen, we truly understand you. Here's what the problems we believe you have. How are you dealing with that? And that engages in the conversation and then boom, you can go right into it as opposed to this song and dance where you're poking at one another, trying to figure out, is there even an opportunity here? I, I mean, this right cuts right to the thick of it. Yeah, that's right. And I think this has to come from your customers. I mean, the first thing that we do when um, uh, if we do in a consulting engagement with companies is we look at sort of top-down buying moments of pain. So what are the uh, inflection points that your prospects have when they need you now? Like, why, why are they coming to you now? So, uh, we asked the company like, all right, think about thinking about all of your existing customers. Why did they come to you? And, um, and what had changed in their business that they're like, shit, this is really important. Um, uh, and then we do sort of bottoms up, which is now go through your CRM and tell me what the moments each of those existing customers had. And, and hopefully the two meet up. Um, but that effort alone will start to say, oh, wow, 50% of the people that we sold to came because they were trialing these five pieces of software at the same time because their business um, you know, had, had a huge spike in traffic or because they just launched a new product or, um, you know, or because they got a new CRO and that person had come from a company that had deployed this in the past or something like that. So you'll start to identify these moments. And that's, that's the key moment where you can start to put some automation behind what you're doing. Um, because then you're not shooting in the dark. You have some understanding, well, this has worked in, you know, 30% of our deals. Um, so you can Pareto principle it and, um, so uh, and, you you cannot shortchange that step, uh, right? There is no technology. It is belly to belly or video to video interviewing your customers to realize what those trigger events were or what the, you know, the, the proverbial broke the camel's back kind of thing that allowed that to happen. Because my guess is a ton of companies, one, don't know what they are. Even if they do know what they are, they likely don't have that identified as a, a, a selection item in their CRM that they can start to put that together. Or, or am I wrong on that? And companies are doing that pretty much. And I'm the only one who isn't. No, no. It's, I mean, I, I don't think, I think that's right. They don't understand who, um, 
you know, this is the Clayton Christensen sort of job suite done framework, right? Um, that he talks about this is like, just because Clayton Christensen is like 55 to 65, reads the New York Times, um, uh, doesn't mean like, like has nothing to do with his buying behavior. So he's hiring your product to accomplish something for him. Um, and so I think that that's like, it's important to have that ICP and buyer persona stuff done, but even more so than that, you really want to figure out like, why are companies coming to you now? Um, and, and that's like, that's the real important piece to, I'm um, back and you don't have to do it in the way that I said, there's a thousand ways to crack an egg. And the way that like the other way that you could do this is just test. Like it's not going to be as efficient, but sometimes you don't have enough customers or sometimes, you know, you don't have that intelligence on a shelf somewhere. It's of course going to be better to start with things that actually worked in the past. Um, uh, but like, who am I to say that uh, if, if you, you know, if for whatever reason you couldn't have a conversation with your customers or you didn't want to try it, like, yeah, go to market with some of this stuff and test it. Um, and you, you don't need to test more than 200 to 500, um, you know, uh, accounts at a time. And ideally you deploy that across a variety of channels so that you're not channel dependent. Um, and you know, that's, that's the other key thing here is that like, oh, we didn't learn this lesson the painful way. We did some growth for a company that sells engineers and like, it turns out I could write the very best email to every engineer. And it's like, engineers just are not email people. <laughs> and so, so it's like, we don't even, well, like, I won't even work with anyone that sells engineers anymore. And that's, <laughs> that was like a, that was like a pretty big, dumb mistake, but, um, but like, this is why you shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater because you may write the very perfect email and your customers might just not be on email. So you need a framework to be able to test sort of pain messaging and channel, uh, uh, you know, that's the key thing here is that, yeah, that's, that's really important. Well, I want to get to the system and framework here in a second. Uh, before we jump into that, some of the things that you were talking about, this is, no, I mean, we knew that firmographics were not enough, right? So uh, the firmographics, and then you get into psychographics. This seems to be not a combination of psychographics with trigger events by knowing your persona. And whenever I say persona, because one of the things that you say is target pain, not persona. And, and my, my version, and maybe my language is wrong here, Jordan, is that if you target the persona, then you're targeting the person's perception of that with the emotional compelling reason of why they're going to act to change their behavior, right? What is it that's going to cause them to change behavior? So whenever I say that you're speaking to that persona or you understand the persona, you're speaking to the reason that they're going to change behavior. So I guess with that said, I mean, is this third party, uh, are you really creating almost like a third party marketing data? But I mean, this seems to be pretty yeah. in depth. Yeah, yeah, let me talk about, let me answer two things. So a persona is necessary, but not sufficient. And so uh, I'm not saying that you, <laughs> that you now throw out the fact that you're going after VPs of marketing and send an email to everyone in the organization because you know the pain, like, no, no, no. Um, like, and so maybe in that, can, in that sense, my, uh, my tagline is a little too cheeky um, because- <laughs> You do need the persona. It's important. But the problem is it's just not enough. And so you can't just because you're a VP of customer support doesn't mean that I know anything about your business, right? Like, like I know you're a VP of customer support. Great. 
Well, if if you're if you're in the fishing industry and you have a hundred employees, like okay, like suddenly that's starting to flash out the picture. But it doesn't mean that. Uh, and and like now, let's say like, well, how have you have you grown at all in the last ten years? Like, no, we've stuck at a hundred employees, right? Okay. So, um, so you're probably not struggling with as many challenges. Well, what's your website traffic doing? Well, your website traffic has shot up by hundred X. Oh, wow. Okay. So someone is very much more interested in fishing now. Um, and now I can start to tease out, okay, well, I understand that your organization hasn't grown, but your customers have grown. So you probably are having like dramatically difficult times with, um, uh, you know, operations. with thinking about, yeah, with operations, the variety of other things, right? Um, now I know you're hiring. Okay, well, what are you hiring for? I'm hiring for customer success. Oh, okay. So now I know that you need someone to help you manage the fish. Um, <laughs> so, so you can start to see as you layer on different data sources, you uh, you change the uh, the focus, right? And you get a much clearer picture of your account. And what you're trying to do is crystallize what your customers know. Um, to, to figure out who in, in the market has, the, has those problems. Uh, and so that's the kind of key here. And it just employee count and industry and title. Uh, it's just, that has nothing to do with anything that's changing in your business. Um, and so you just need to go a couple layers of deep. And usually when you do that analysis and you you do it right. And you look at those accounts, you're like, yes, these are my ideal accounts, but you didn't get there by picking them. You get, you got there by looking at the pain. And when the accounts came out the other side, you're like, aha, I did get it right. Wow. Like I had a customer say to me the other day, like 30% of the accounts you generate are existing customers. I'm like pretty good then. Right. <laughs> like, um, so that's like, that's a good litmus test to know if you got your targeting, right. If you, uh, if you close your eyes, pulled your name out of a hat and some of them are, are existing customers. Nice. All right. So how do we take this then and start to build a system around this? Let's pretend that we had to do this old school from a, you know, a spreadsheet hell. Um, how do we build this out systematically? What would we do? Well, the first thing here is I'm going to uh, uh, quote Kyle Williams here at brickstack.com. And he would say that you need to uh, extract the mental models from your sales reps. Um, and so, uh, I think the way that he might describe this is, uh, that you need to understand how they're targeting today. Um, and so that that's one piece of the puzzle is what are they doing? Not at scale, uh, and figure out what that looks like at scale. The second piece is to, again, chat with your customers that have a good understanding about, uh, the problem and challenge them. Why did you hire me? Why now? Um, uh, why didn't you go with this other competitor? And they're going to start saying really interesting things. And so, and those are going to be really interesting gems, right? It's like, oh, we were using X. And what, what happened is once Y happened, X was terrible for us, right? Like if you think of poor HubSpot, um, they're a huge company, but like poor HubSpot, it's like the journey that people go on is like they have HubSpot until they need Salesforce. <laughs> like, <laughs> and uh, like, or at least for, you know, for the, for the backend CRM. And so, you know, you, you chat with anyone and it's like, oh, Oh, like you're growing, like you're going to need to switch at some point. You're going to need to switch. Like that's like the mantra. So it's like, what point, like when, when do, well, well, that's when, uh, you know, 
when you move from 50 to 100 people and your traffic starts scaling and you start to hire these types of people and you have an open rec for these types of roles uh, and you see that they're trialing a bunch of other types of software on your website uh, and you notice that there's like on Glassdoor, people are dinging you for your, and you look at G2 reviews and G2 is saying like, this sucks, but their HubSpot integration is great or like whatever, right? Like it's the sum of those things that really um, kind of makes for um, for good accounts, but it, it can't, I mean, usually you can't do this in a vacuum um, and it's exciting to do it in a vacuum, but it's usually the worst way to do it. Um, and then once you understand that, so best reps, uh, best customers, uh, and, um, and sometimes even the founders have a really good sense because they've tried a bunch of things. So like documenting all the other crap that you've tried that didn't work, uh, like avoid that stuff. Um, so you can kind of triangle this and say, okay, well, here are our best ideas. Then you need to figure out, all right, what channels are our customers in? Where do they spend their time? So you can do some surveys there. Um, uh, Emma Moreno has done some really interesting stuff there. It's like, here's some ways to survey your buyers to, to figure out what channels they're in. So now you've got some channels, you've got some identifiers of moments. Now you need to figure out what data do I need to buy? Um, and so I'm one piece of that puzzle, but there's like another great company called Predict Leads that they're building this, oh, so incredible. They're scraping companies' websites, uh, taking the logos uh, of their customers using AI and figuring out a who are their customers. So. So this might be, this would lead to an amazing play. I can be like, hey, Brian, uh, I saw HelloFresh on your website and they're a customer of ours too. Have they told you about how we work or something, right? So like, like you can do some trust arbitrage plays there, but you, once you find the types of, uh, uh, of problems that your customers are, um, are struggling with and, and those moments, then you need to do some data exploration to figure out what does this look like at scale? And you can start with some outsourcers too to build some basic lists, but that's what this kind of looks like. So let me unpack a couple of things here. <clears throat> so we identify how the salespeople are targeting, targeting today, right? And they're probably not gonna have a good answer. So it's your fault by the way, sales leaders, because you haven't taught them that, but find out how they're doing it today, then get some customer interviews. And um, you didn't say this, but I not jot it down, record what they say and how they say it and use their language, don't use your own, right? I think too often we speak jargon instead of speaking what their words are saying. So use yeah. their words and, and their language, put that in your, your uh, sales emails and your marketing. And then uh, one question that I had is you said, you get some data points and you named a, a bunch of different data points. What's the minimum number of different data points to get this? Because you keep seeming to, you're just bringing out this holistic robust picture instead of having this skeleton of you know industry and geography and and uh you know firmographics i mean that's the skeleton with maybe a muscle on it you're putting a whole muscle skeleton on there with with a tuxedo and a in a ball gown for goodness sakes yeah uh you'd probably be kicked out of san francisco if you wore that here um <laughs> uh <laughs> it's like a hoodie is formal wear um so no, I mean, I think that th this is not the right way to think about it, because if you think about this as some of evidence, there's no weight to it all. There's no like what's important, what's not. So uh, I'll say this, that 
there are some pieces of data that are going to be just drastically more useful to you and defining your prospects than others. And so that's what you need to, um, uh, that's what you need to sort of figure out is like, what's the, what are the things that are absolutely critical to understand about the moments for your customers, right? And so if you can do that, and sometimes it's about creating tension, right? So um, I talk a lot about like ratios. So if you have a thousand employees and two people in your customer support department, and you're getting a million hits to your, uh, you know, your website, uh, suddenly those two things, like tension is there, right? It's like, what you, you got one dude, you got Mario in the back office, like doing support by himself. Uh, your traffic is blowing up. It's increasing month over month. Uh, you got a huge number of people and poor Mario has to do everything himself. Like, like, are you, are you thinking about helping Mario out? Um, so that, you know, there's some, there's some pretty deep nuance there and there's not like a crazy amount of data to be able to run that, but that uh, you can't be, um, <laughs> uh, you know, the way that I talk about this sometimes is like, you know, I, I'm pointing a finger at the moon and uh, people grab my finger and I'm like, no, it's the moon. Like, I'm like, look up. Uh, and so I, what I don't want is people leave this conversation like, ah, just deploy 15 tactics at the same time. You know, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, this is not tactic stacking. You need to be able to figure out like um, what really indicates those moments of pain. How do your customers talk? And then figure out what are the right data points there? Because it could be that you just need two data points and two are enough because that because the signal is so, so strong with those two data points. Got it. Well said. So, so it's not the amount of data points, it's the quality in the, call it the point of leverage. How much of a leverage point does that give? Yeah. And you generally, I mean, the, the way, you know, the way that we will do it is um, when we stack this intelligence into keyword groups um, and uh, like basically allow you to stack on some of these sentences the last sentence is usually some insight. So it's therefore, right? And the problem is that no one has a good idea of therefore except you and your customers. So um, like for me to be able to say this, this, and this is true, take a call with me, right? Yeah. That's like not enough, right? It's like, so what? So what? Why does it matter? And so... Um, and this is where you can dovetail nicely into a great case study where you can say, when these same things happen with the customer, here's the problem that they were solving with. And here's, and by the way, they were about to go down your path. Here's a customer that was using Marketo to do their lead scoring that were, they were in these sort of same, similar, similar market as you, similar conditions. They spent six months arguing, should it be a 75 or a 76? And they got nowhere. Uh, and, and it turns out that Sometimes 10s bought, sometimes 80s bought, sometimes five bought, and it just didn't help them move the needle at all. And then they used, um, you know, they used breadcrumbs and blah, blah, blah. That was the customer I was talking about earlier. So, so that's the kind of narrative that you need, but that has to come from your, uh, uh, from your customers. And then there has, again, that's the, that's the layer of insight, right? That's where you can tell a story that I'm, they're like, Jordan, what's the insight? No, 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 no. I don't know what the insight is. All I'm gathering is observations and helping you find the observations. Like I'm not coming into this thing with saying like, Hey, now that you've bought from me, 
here's your, here's your stack of keywords. Now go like, no, 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 it, this is, this is not that, um, you need to figure out what is, what, what implications do, does this have for your existing customers and how, um, do those implications play out with your leads? How much does this impact positioning or how much of, how much of this is part of positioning? Uh, ask the question in a different way. I don't understand. Yeah. So positioning, um, there's a woman who was on a or podcast a while back, I want to say 36, 39, something like that, April Dumpford. Uh, she wrote a book called Obviously Awesome. And she talks about positioning and how she created a CRM. And you talk about just a noisy space. They created a CRM. And what they found was they positioned it only to those in the financial services uh, sector, because it was really good at relationship management and and keeping them for that share of wallet. And so their niche play, their position was to them, and that allowed them to do well in this sea of CRM. So I I was thinking that, you know, this might have a good piece or a part of that positioning to know how to position yourself better for a, a specific segment of the market. Yeah. And actually I just did an export for a non-customer that I just like a lot. Um, uh, they're like, I'm not going to buy And I'm like, let me do you some free work. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm a bad salesman. Um, I'm a good friend though. Uh, so, uh, I, I did some exploration and I said, here's what I did. You, um, there, uh, the company is called clay.run. It's a really cool sales tool. Uh, and it is like kind of no code automation. Right. And so, uh, my, my new friend, uh, um, uh, Kareem just joined there and I said, look, what I did is I looked at our database and I pulled anyone with a sales, marketing, growth, or revenue title where there are keyword groups, low code, no code, automation, systems. And I gave him a single text file of all of those jobs. So it's like, look, you're trying to figure out where you should position yourself. Should you be a sales tool? Should you be a marketing tool? Or should you be a tool for recruiters? Well, I'm going to tell you which groups of titles talk about systems or automation or connections and who who's expecting folks with no code or um, sort of, uh, um, you know, b- business folks basically to do things that really kind of require engineering. And so now you can understand um, both magnitude uh, and the, uh, you know, magnitude and amplitude of the problem. So how, how many people are actively sort of hiring for folks that have an expectation to do some of these low-code things? And then how do they talk about the problems? So my guess is that if he finds uh, that there are, you know, 10 sales folks and 50 marketing folks and 5,000 recruiters that talk about automation, uh, they're going to start talking about it in certain ways. Um, And he can use that information to say, aha, uh, for me to now I understand my market a little bit better, how people are thinking about this. Um, and am I the Newton or the iPod or uh, the iPad Pro? Uh, and now I know who to go after and where to niche down and what shouldn't I do? Um, because I don't know, the one thing I've learned in business is that the best thing you can do is stop doing a lot of things. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, that, that I, it absolutely will help with positioning because you're not inventing things and testing it out. You're looking at what, wh- how the market talks and what problems the market has. And then you're making a bet based on data. Uh, and so, yeah, it of course can help with, uh, with positioning in that sense. And you know language too. You'll have a good understanding of language. So we do all of this work and let's be real. I mean, this is a fair amount of work. Is that correct? Oh my, it's unreal amount of work. Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, just don't think that this is a silver bullet. Oh, great. I'm going to do this. Just expect it's going to take a while to figure this all out. However, it's yeah. critical. I, I don't think there's anything more critical to this. Whenever I grew up in sales, I didn't do this stuff. And I can't tell you how much that hurt me. And it, and it takes you a while to really start to understand it. So now you do all this work. And then how do you start to create this cold email system then? So can you talk to us a little bit about how do we then systemize our cold outreach to leverage all of this work that we've just done? Yeah, well, let me first say that uh, I want to address the first thing about, about the time it takes to do this. And I'm going to start that quick conversation with look at the last two years of your business, year of your business. Tell me which channels you've tried systematically that don't work and which messaging you've tried that doesn't work. And my guess is that if you ask a revenue leader today that they're going to be like, I have no idea. I have no idea what channels we try it. And I have no, I, the, the SDRs we've are writing their own messages. We've tried them all messages. and they haven't, any of them. Yeah, 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 that's, ex that's exactly. We've tried everything and it hasn't worked. Do you have any better ideas? And so I had a great conversation with, um, uh, with the folks at Alice and I'm like, who churns? He's like, the people that come to Alice and are like, if I just had this one great channel and if I could just send them a physical package, they'll respond. And it's like, attention is not your problem. Like it's not the problem in most cases. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, so you've already, you have a lot of sunk cost fallacies. Like if I just have another tactic, so that that's, that's the first piece. Um, how you turn this into a system? Well, I think the first thing is you do need to figure out is, is email the right channel for your customers. You need to survey your customers to know like, uh, like how often you check email, like is thinking of, and I, I think, um, one of the questions in Emma's survey was, uh, like, where do you get your, uh, information about new products and services, right? Like that's, that's what you need to know. And so if they're like, oh, Reddit and only Reddit, well, then maybe you should be in Reddit. Like, but let's say that like, oh, well, from, from email, actually, like I get, I get emailed all the time. Like I read email newsletters. I'm like a big email fan. Great. Now you have some understanding that it's, that it's email. Um, so now that you know that it's email, um, what this looks like as a system is you're going to need a aggressively good revenue operations team. And when I see things fail, this is like the primary reason why they fail is like, okay, now how do you ingest data and how do you automate it? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> so, so like you need, you need those pieces. And once you have those pieces, the way that this works is uh, generally the data comes in. Most of the data, uh, the way that we do it is we first score the TAM, right? So we actually download all of the domains from a service like harmonic.ai uh, or apollo.io um, will enrich those domains with just kind of general heuristics about what's important. So in many cases, that's like, what is the, what do department sizes look like relative to the total employees? What does traffic look like? Um, uh, what kind of industries are they in? Like really sort of, you know, not like basic plus stuff. Then once we have an idea about, okay, well, are we playing in the right sandbox? We've got some portion of the TAM now that's like really good for us. Um, then what we're doing is we're looking for, um, we basically take the data, um, combine the TAM enrichment stuff that we've done with the data that we found at, um, uh, with any kind of moment data, and we'll inject that into the, usually the top part of the email. And that top part of the email is just a series of observations, usually. Um, uh, 
and sometimes they're like, this is true, but this is also true. Um, how do you square these two things? Like for us, for example, it's like, oh, I saw that you're hiring your first sales rep uh, and you're asking them to build lead lists. Do you know that's like a fruitless endeavor? Like don't have them do that. Like, like we should do that instead. That's not how I talk about it. But, but then it's like one, two, three. Um, so you've got some evidence, then you've got an insight. Um, you know, and then uh, generally I do things like, I like to offer them some, uh, some value for free. So in some cases it's like, hey, like, uh, we're an expert at this. Do you want us to like come into your business? Like for us, it's like, hey, like happy to do a free go-to-market strategy. Um, I'm eventually going to get to a place where I'm doing outbound with uh, copy and lead list for my leads. So it's like, hey, Brian, I know that, uh, you know, you do X. Um, uh, here are people that have X problem. Here is a list for you. Here's copy that I would deploy to them. Like, do you want me to help you automate it? Um so an out that's like so meta, but, uh, but that's like value, right? That's like that, like you now have an account list, you know, why you should reach out to them. Like I've done some go to market strategy for you. Um, and so then I try to think about once I have some evidence about like why you're convinced you should even continue on an email, what can I provide you, um, that is, uh, most compelling that requires the least effort from you. Um, and so I don't ask double barreled questions. Hey, Brian, is it, uh, uh, does this sound good to you? Also, do you have 15 minutes and a whale? Uh, can like, will you ship the whale to my house? Uh, let's get 15 minutes. Uh, and then uh, also, do you give a shit about what I've said? Like, just tell me all three of those things in one answer. You know, like, I don't do any of that stuff. It's just like, is, like, did I get it right? Like, that's, that's most of my emails. Like, is it like, is this, is this junk? <laughs> you know, like, is, is this junk? And you get, it's okay if it's junk, but like, just, just tell me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, okay. Like. So, um, let me try to sum this up. So I, I was taking notes here. Yeah. I'm all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, so we need a, we need to find out where do they go about finding their new products and service? Now, forgive me. I go to Google. I mean, that's what everyone's going to say. I just Google it or, you know, I go to YouTube and, and look up something. So what do you say to that as opposed to maybe an email? Well, you can look at this, uh, from, uh, uh, attribution models in your CRM, right? Where do people come from? Okay. They may say Google, but they click on an ad, right? And also like, you know, this is messy, right? Like I, I think for you to depend on a single channel is silly. Um, really, you should be running omni-channel uh, approaches with this data. So like, for example, when we run this as a system, we'll go grab the lead. We'll give you their LinkedIn profile. So you should follow them on LinkedIn. We'll give you their email. So you should send them a cold email. We'll give you their phone number. So you should call them. Uh, we'll give you ad audiences uh, with say primer.com. So you can run at, uh, like ads just at those people. Those ads perform ridiculously well when I, when I say something like, you know, hiring folks across the globe and also, uh, you know, struggling to break through to the C-suite. They're like, oh, that is exactly the problem I have. <laughs> like, you know, not, not just like, like, you know, not the like, uh, congratulations on your recent funding round. Now that you have money, here's my bank account. Um, so just send it on over and we'll be good. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what this looks like. Yeah. Okay. So you, you got to find out where they live so you can engage them. And, and likely that's going to come from your research that you've done. And then the other key piece, and this has gotten more and more important, and I forget the statistics, but having a really good RevOps team that knows how to do good data hygiene, data management, and then how to automate that and segment it, that is amazingly difficult because too yeah. many RevOps people, they don't get the sales side, they don't get the marketing side, they know the coding side and, and 
analytics. Um, so get a good RevOps team, then be able to score the TAM with enrichment and heuristics, um, which my gosh, we could probably do a whole show on that one. And then um, get uh, in your email. So the way you systemize this email and make sure I got this right here, Jordan, is you're going to start off with different observations, do a commercial insight to maybe cause some tension, do a value add offer, one that you can do that's going to show you know, that you could likely do in your sleep, but there's going to be of great value to them um, and make it an easy question. It's something like, hey, am I completely all wet on this? And then shut up and allow them to respond. Yeah, that's what a lot of this looks like. You know, sometimes it's social proof that I'm talking about a, a case study. Um, like the the I'll test different things as sort of part of the end of this email. And sometimes I'll string out the observations uh, over the course of a whole chain of emails um, uh, to keep it short. And so, you know, I'll test all sorts of things. I mean, I was having a great conversation with a friend of mine um, Sasha, who's the VP of growth at uh, Happy Co. And he's like, we put misspellings in the email. Like we're like selling to these guys. We're selling to these like local property guys. They're like phone people. Um, and so it's like, Hey, Jimbo, you know, did this thing, you know, blah, blah. It's like, and it's just like, it's a, you know, they're, they're like Jimbo's. Right. And so <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but, um, but like there, you know, there are these like local, these local guys that are, you know, that are phone people. These are phone people. And so if you send them an email that is just like half a sentence, they'll, and you know, you throw in some misspellings, you put your number at the end, that's their language, right? Like that's how they talk. That's how they're, that's, that is the most email that they've ever sent, right? It's like, take a tweet and divide by six. And that's like most of their emails, right? And so, so that's like, that's how they talk. And so it turns out that like, you know, like misspellings like work for them. And so that's the kind of insight that you just have to know your customers um, and you can test into it. But, you know, if you look at a lot of the emails that they're sending to you, like you'll see that. Um, and so, but, but yeah, as a general matter, that's kind of what my emails look like. And, um, and it's just, it, ha it has to be compelling information and you do have to share something that's like, uh, this is like the thing, the more specific you get, the better. So the more specifically I can talk about you as a company, um, and how it relates to like an existing customer, uh, uh, and convince you that it's, it's just better. It works better. Yeah. Like and I'll, I'll give you one example of this just because I, again, a little bit hear my own voice. Um, one of the things that we did uh, for, say, Primer when we built a quick strategy for them is like, we looked, they, they do these targeted ads that I talked about. So we looked at their, the ads of the prospects that they were going after. We looked at their commenters and we looked at the title of their commenters and uh, their country. And we compare that with their case studies. So it's like, so I saw like in one of these, like uh, Gusto is like, you know, Gusto is like a serious company that is selling to serious people. They had one guy's like, you're, you never, you know, some grumpy person on their ad was saying like, this sucks. And I looked at the person, I'm like, he is a solo business of one for the last 20 years. He is not, you're paying to advertise to that person. But I look at on your website and it's like, you know, it's the, it's, you're, you're talking to these people that are, have huge high growth businesses. You paid for that troll to comment on your ad. Like you paid LinkedIn to get that troll on your ad. Like, why are you doing that? My company allows you to target just the people that actually should be in your market. So you're not paying to advertise these folks. And we would, we would like reference the case study 
and reference the, you know, the guy that, um, you know, that, um, you know, that lives in Antarctica, uh, that it, that's worked on a, that worked on McMurdo station by himself for the last 20 years. And I'm like, this is not your, and that got a 33% positive reply rate. Yeah. Nice. Well, this seems like if you did this, then you just repurpose it for email, for LinkedIn yeah. outreach, for, yeah. because once you do it, it's just a matter of repurposing it and then speaking, speaking the language of that tribe. So my, yeah. Hey Jimbo, or my, whatever that, that <laughs> language is. So yeah, yeah. got Jimbo. it. All right. Now there is, that, this is a ton of stuff, Jordan. I cannot thank you enough for this. And I still have no idea what in the world you do because you're, you're going through all of this stuff. I'm like, what in the world do you do? So we're going to get to that in a second. But first, yeah. let's talk about, um, you know, when you see people trying to do this, what is the biggest mistake that people make in trying to systemize their outreach, leveraging this pain, uh, pain instead of the personas or the pain of the personas and speaking in that language? Well, uh, there's a quote here that says, um, we shape our tools and thereafter our tools shape us. Uh, and I think that this is the problem is that we've got addicted to, uh, the data that we have today. Uh, we haven't explored other data and usually that data requires you to be creative about how you use it. Like similar web has amazing wait, wait, wait. traffic. You mean we'll have to think. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, this is that's not that's not a fair uh, that's not a fair critique because <laughs> because that's not what I meant. What I meant is like you see the data in Zoom Info and you think this is all that exists. I have to figure out how to use this data that I have been given to go to market. Uh, and the answer is like, no, you don't. Uh, that's just like one toolkit. And all Zoom Info can tell you is their name, their address, um, but they can't tell you that they're into milkshakes. Like they they can't tell you anything else. It's like not what Zoom Info does. Um, and so we just need to be mindful of like the tools that you have seen in the past and the tools that maybe other folks in the industry use, like there is more there. And so um, we need to like not settle on the fact that these are the kind of the tools that we have and go a little bit outside the beaten path. Um, and so, but, but that has to start with, uh, again, like I just, I'm repeating here, it has to start with your customers and they're gonna tell you things that are like weird. They're like, oh, well, it happened like when we move our office from Berlin to London and it turns out that Germany, like they, you know, they won't sell uh, Gouda cheese and because they don't sell Gouda cheese that it's like, it's going to be crazy stuff. You're like, that didn't make, that's insane. I didn't even know that that was a law. And you're like, yeah, if you like watch for when people sell Gouda cheese, like it'll be weird stuff like that. that you just cannot predict. Um, and so you need to like ask your customers that. And then you're like, okay, well, we need to monitor. Like I had a, uh, I was chatting with a, a good friend of mine, Alan at, at Warmly. And he was, um, I, uh, he was like doing a stint as an SDR to learn a little bit more about the role. And he was working in a company that did um, like liquidation of assets. So like the Chevrons of the world are like, hey, yeah, we bought all these like, uh, uh, like self-stealing stem bolts and we don't need them. Uh, and they're sitting in a warehouse somewhere. And so they report stuff, like they write that down in their schedule 1K or whatever. I don't know. There's like one of the one of the SEC forms, right? They talk about that. So build a scraper 
go monitor that. The second it comes out, understand like, wow, it looks like you wrote off $1.2 billion of self-sealing stem bolts, which is a Star Trek reference. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> deep face nine, deep cut. Um, so it's like, it looks like you just wrote all that stuff off. Like that, is that sitting in a warehouse somewhere? Like, like when you want to liquidate it, I've got this other customer over here. So now like, think about the power of that email. I found out something that you just wrote off. I know how much you wrote it off for. Uh, and I have a customer in mind and I can send you an email that says, hey, Brian, I uh, I want to buy this thing you just wrote off for 1.2 million. I got a customer that's going to buy it for 600 million. It's just sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Like, you're paying for the warehouse. Yeah. So that's like an example of, uh, of why, like, you shouldn't be just like thinking about the data, like your customers know it. And then you have to look for public data signals that, are like either, a, you know, in some cases direct and sometimes it's just a proxy for that problem. Um, but I just don't have something in my back pocket that's like super relevant to your business. Now, how, what do you think of intent data? Well, um, I cannot argue with the results and there is, uh, uh, and so my customers have had great uh, uh, success with Sixth Sense, right? That they, they love it. Um, uh, but the problem with that is that, and it begs the question, like most new marketing channels do, where do we go from here? Um, is that intent data to me is another marketing channel that is opened up. So the, every time we open up one of these new channels, it pushes the, um, uh, <laughs> it, it, it makes us have to think less if that makes sense. So it's like, oh, now we have opened up another new channel. Good. I can put off thinking about how to understand my market for another six months because I'll just wait until they get to this bucket. And when they get in this bucket, then I'll market to them. And it works. Like, don't get me wrong, like six cents is great, but but it begs the question, what next? Where do we go from here? And how do we um how do we go to a company and describe the problem that they have? before they know they have the problem, yeah. right? Um, and if you can do that really well, suddenly go-to-market becomes a gigantically wonderful moat for you because you and everyone else are not just clicking the button on the on the last bar and the like, who's searching for my keywords? Um, so, And that's the thing too, is more and more people get into the intent. It's like throwing uh, blood in the water and the sharks are coming at you, right? They're, it's all over the place. Or, you know, Crunchbase puts out that XYZ just got uh, Series A and then everybody's calling them. Like you said, hey, just open up my bank account. It's a lot easier that way. Okay, got it. So, um, so what they should do is really some, just go back and think and interview your customers and make sure that you understand them from the, for the best way. Now, how about for hiring people that know how to do this if we're looking to build out should we hire our salespeople that know how to do this is it um, managers that know how to do this leadership that knows how to do this i mean if we're looking to bring this into our organization who who should we start with to to develop this oh boy um this is where i'm less of an expert i'm i'm the guy in the basement that's like doing the crazy <laughs> stuff like like i'm 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 the guy that you hire it's like we need a guy that's like just like insanely creative and can um uh one of the guys that i work with on one of my engagements is the train conductor and i'm like oh my gosh i'm so used to him he's like we need to get the account execs over here and we can get the marketing team over here and we gotta like connect up the sales force and i'm like yes that's exactly what you need to do and God bless you because that is not what I do. Um, and so, but you need a train conductor, right? Like you need someone that's going to say, great, let's like push this data into Salesforce. And now let's figure out how to, how to ingest the data 
uh, grab the sort of unique fields here and then push it out to our channels. And uh, all too often I will find that like in most of my engagements, I'm like, do this thing scrappy, just like upload that thing to outreach or sales loft, send, you know, a couple hundred emails, see if the thing works. But the best version of this is really, all right, get, ingest the account data in, run programmatic linked ads with say primer, go have your sales reps cold call them, follow them on LinkedIn, uh, like send them a Sendoso package. So like, Honestly, I'm the upstream guy. I'm the one that feeds the, puts the salmon in the river. Um, but then there's gotta be a guy that like sets up the cannon and he starts shooting those salmon into eight different rivers. <laughs> like, like, like that's, uh, so not, not my area of expertise, but when I have seen it work really well, it's because there is a, um, there's a quarterback, there's a train conductor that can operationalize this in a variety of different channels and can, you know, you've got a marketing person to run paid ads and, and the SDR development manager to, um, to be able to do some coordinated SDR plays like, um, so don't uh, start here. Uh, you, you really want a good sales development, uh, team before you RevOps start. team. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, if you guys are fighting over an MQL versus an SQL, you've lost the battle. Like, I can't help you. You're, you're, um, you're in a game of definitional war, not growth. Um, so your, your goal is to fight marketing uh, and to fight sales and be like, uh, this is an MQL. This is an SAL. Sales doesn't accept this lead. This is a sales qualified lead, but I'm going to wait till I accept it. Like, that's, you know, it's like, no, like it needs to be about revenue. Uh, there needs to be organized in a sort of a chief revenue officer and you have to have a systems person. Like, so this works best when there's a guy in the basement with me, like hooking up the wires and stuff. And, you know, so to continue the bad analogy, I'm throwing salmon down the basement. He's organizing that in the freezers. So yeah. <laughs> and shooting off cannons while they're doing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 or they, exactly. So now what do you see coming down the pike? What's the future hold? What are you going? Oh my gosh. Or, Hey, this is awesome. Well, I envision a world where there are more engineers working on growth than on product. Um, and so that's an insane world. You know, it's like, I guess Peter Thiel has this question, like, what's, what do you believe that's, that's, you know, contrarian? I think that, uh, um, that if you, uh, like go to market is going to become a moat in the future and it's not uh, a bolt on. So like, I think growth is going to be uh, implied in the product in the future. And it has to be because that will be the bar. So a lot of people talk about this as like product led growth, but no, I think there's way more interesting things to do here with like network effects or viral effects. I mean, we're going to take all of our data and open source it and, um, uh, uh, and categorize uh, pain that way publicly. So instead of like, well, instead of like, who is Salesforce? Well, Salesforce is 10 employees and Salesforce is, uh, you know, they have a tower and people climb the tower eventually. Like, like that's, that's silly. Like that's not useful. I'm going to be like, Salesforce is actively struggling with this problem. Uh, here are the, here are the problem categories by department. Um, and so, and that's my data operationalized in a go-to-market motion. Uh, and so I think that uh, companies will have to think about how, uh, how, how is my product default alive and how does it connect up with the market in an, in a, a way that drives additional growth? Um, so I, and I think that that path forward, especially for B2B companies is to have more engineers thinking about, um, like distribution, like maybe then product, maybe. 
Interesting. Well, I can't thank you enough, Jordan. We've we've hit our time hard here coming up, and this has been an amazing conversation. So who should reach out to you? How should people reach out to you? And most importantly, why should people reach out to you? Okay. Well, the first thing I'll say is you're an hour and 13 minutes deep. So that's insane. If someone listened to you and I talk for an hour and 13 minutes, I will do a free go-to-market strategy for you. <laughs> awesome. Because... Yeah, because that's that's some bullshit. No one, I mean, I, I live with my girlfriend and she's like, 20 minutes is all you got. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so thank you. I am so grateful that, uh, that you haven't, you know, you, the listener, have invested in, uh, in yourself and your understanding about uh, go-to-market and go-to-market systems. So I'm grateful for you. Uh, where you can, you, who should reach out to me? So the people that I can help the most are really folks that have found product market fit, that are scaling, that know who their customers are, and want to create a um, uh, uh, sort of a pain-based funnel of accounts. We, we do it with jobs data. Um, so those are the people that I can help the most. My email is jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, at blueprintgtm, as in go-to-market, blueprintgtm.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn slash in slash Jordan Crawford. That's where I do a lot of my posts. Uh, so those are the, the places to find me. That's my email. And I'm just so grateful that now almost hour and 15 minutes. That's insane. Who does yeah. this? We've never gone this long. So you get the, uh, the, the champion award for going the longest. It's you've never gone this long, but man, you're a wealth of information. I can't thank you enough. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, if I've, if I've seen anywhere uh, I've seen standing on the shoulders of giants. And so this is not, I didn't invent all this in uh, you know, uh, uh, revenue leaders like Kyle Williams, uh, uh, Guillaume that did a bunch of growth at um, at Segment, uh, the team at Gorgeous, they published a lot of their learnings. Like, like those are uh, folks to go follow and to go understand how they talk about go-to-market. And in many ways, I'm taking their learnings and uh, applying them to my business, just like I hope you take the learnings that you've learned here and apply them to yours. Well, definitely reach out to Jordan. There's so much here. We can't do a recap because we're an hour and 16 minutes into this. Um, <laughs> so, hey, thank you so much, Jordan. I really appreciate it. We'll, we'll uh, post his information on the uh, on the link. So definitely reach out to him. Uh, follow him on LinkedIn. You can see he's fairly quiet and, um, you know, kind of shy. So give him some love out there, would yeah, you? Follow, follow my ASMR channel on YouTube, too. <laughs> I've got I've got a good one for you. There you go. All right. Hey, uh, remember, knowledge for knowledge sake is pointless. It's knowledge for application sake. Take this. Get to know your customers intimately and go help them, would you? Let's, let's help communities thrive through entrepreneurship. Till next time. See ya.